BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for January 5th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on our own dedicated RSS feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can find us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com website. You click the red box that says sponsor the show and you can do a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but... I always like to give a special thanks to all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Joining alongside my friend, Case Lowe. And Case, 2020 is finally in the books. It is the most productive year we've had as a show. And now it's kind of time. We're in this like winter break period. And it's, t- it's a good time to look back on 2020 and Dragon Gate. But first and foremost, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Happy New Year to you, Mike. Like you said, this was far and away the busiest year of the show, which I'm glad that the world stopped for just long enough that I could justify within my schedule finding more time for Open the Voice Gate. I, I love the schedule we're on right now, and luckily for us, it's not like Dragon Gate really ever stopped outside of March and April. I mean, I, I watched more Dragon Gate this year, just current stuff, because I think more stuff may tape than ever before than in any other year prior. And like we talked about at the end of the show last week, with the exception of a few matches in Hokkaido on that last triple shot, I watched every single thing that may tape this year. So I am more than justified to, and more than qualified 
to throw out the awards for the Dragon Gate Open the Voice Gate 2020 awards this year. Uh, these awards are a shoot. There are no political implications like there would be for the Tokyo Sports uh, Awards, etc. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to be here with you, Mike. Yeah, so I went back and I was doing everything. And with the exception of some of the stuff early on in the year, uh, like pre-COVID, I watched everything else. Like there, the, there was like a couple weekends in January and February that I wasn't able to watch everything. Going back and looking at like what it was, there was nothing that I felt like kind of would make me feel like, oh, I need to go and watch this before I feel like I can be authoritative about it. But this is probably, and, and with the way they do the network, the most Dragon Gate I've ever watched in a year since following this promotion. And it's been such a interesting year for Dragon Gate and such a bold year that i know that we've been the ones that have been leading the charge that dragon gate should be the promotion of the year and just looking back at everything and looking at my ballot sheet i feel more and more vindicated with that stance each day oh yeah i mean to me this is the promotion of the year because you know i i've heard some people some people make the argument i understand it that you know new japan peaked much higher on a uh, on a greater basis, there are more great matches, and that's something when we talk about match of the year, Mike and I have a top ten, and I noticed not how quickly the drop off is, but it wasn't like Drangate had this year where half of my match of the year uh, voices wrestling poll is going to be Drangate matches, but I had over forty four star Drangate matches this year. They were thoroughly consistent. Whereas New Japan, yes, they had, you know, the, the great highs, but they also had these tremendous lows. You can read about that in the New Japan ebook. I, I, I was notified that my essay in that book greatly upset some people and fan bases, uh, which delighted me. Uh, <laughs> I you mean, know. So, so some of these fan bases who might have had a hard last few days, I'll put it that way. Look, you, I mean, you would have thought I wrote the essay about their mothers with with some of the messages I saw that were sent to me. It was unbelievable. But, you know, I mean, All Elite Wrestling, I, you know, I thought was a tremendous promotion. They'd be my number two this year. But I, I don't think they were quite as consistent as Drangate. And, and as I will continue to say on this podcast, Pro Wrestling Noah had an awesome in-ring year, but I hate their booking with such passion that I, I can't justify a vote in first or second place for them. So I, I think this is a a really special year for Drangate because I think they navigated the, the pandemic far better than any other promotion. And while it's not a 2005 or a 2011, one of those years that we're going to look back on and go like, oh my God, the wrestling that year was so good. This was one of the better years in the history of Drangate, and Mike, by the way, I, it hit me this morning actually that we are about to approach we are about to approach ten years since Blood Warriors versus Junction Three, which is insane. You, you know, uh, Andrew Angry Two Sixteen in the Discord brought that up today, and it's it's kind of remarkable because I mean the big launch of it was that Osaka show. I want to say it was one sixteen twenty eleven, which. I mean, that's the other good thing about us doing so much content. I got to re- We got to revisit Blood Warriors versus Junction 3, so it's still fresh in my mind. But yeah, that's coming up on that. And the way that I look at 2020 and Dragon Gate is a lot like how I look at 2011. And the way of 2011 and 2012 really set up the next eight years for Dragon Gate. I mean, you had the big title run for Shima that like set up the big six. You had Akira Tozawa coming back. You had all these elevations, and you really had somewhat of a shift from going from like the shima mochi led promotion to the big six and 2020 uh 
you really had someone like Naruki Doi kind of lead the way early on and then really just kind of sinking or swimming with a lot of the younger guys as they came back from uh, quarantine. And it's something that a lot like how I felt like that. And it's kind of, I, I found out that this is kind of a phrase I get made fun of, but how Pac, they gave Pac eight months and they gave him the next five years. This was step two of that five-year plan that now really is the next generation plan was setting up everything this year. And I mean, star rating wise, it just was a, it, it did not have as many peaks. I'll say that all my top 10 matches in Dragon Gate were four and a half stars or higher, but it's something that I kind of walked away with from this year, like thinking that like, I probably in total enjoyed this year of Dragon Gate more than pretty much any year in recent vintage other than 2015. The amazing thing is, and as we're recording this, we don't have the cards for Kyoto, Osaka, or the two Cork and Hall shows that are coming up. Starting on Saturday, there's five shows and eight days for Drangate, assuming they all happen. And if they don't, who knows? Well, Mike and I will cover it either with breaking news audio or on Twitter at Open Voicegate. We don't have the cards for those shows yet, but we are in a position where where we left off with the Dragon Gate generation folding, with, with the Torimon generation folding, and uh, now with the supposed Natural Vibes reunion, as well as R.E.D. and Masquerade, I have no idea what this next year will look at will, will look like. When we do this show in January of 2022, I have no idea who the top guys are going to be, who is going to be champion. Does SB Kento just run over Shun Skywalker this year? Like, I don't know. And it's incredibly exciting to have this promotion that, yes, you still have your familiar faces in your Doi's and Mochizuki's and Yoshino's and guys that had great years, especially Doi, who we'll talk about a lot on this episode. But we are in a, a full youth brigade here, and it is so exciting to, you know, I, Mike and I follow this promotion closer than anybody, and I don't feel like either of us have a great grasp on what January of 2021 will look like. And that's, a, that's an exciting feeling. I mean, there is, and it, this might be a fun thing to do. Uh, my one prediction that, like, is such a prohibitive, like, minus 1,000, or you pay $10 to get payback $1 for our uh, European fans, odds wise, is I could say RED and this carnation will not exist in this fashion. Like, there'll be still be a lot of members of it, but we'll have a new heel unit in 2020. Too, but looking at like the rest of the card, uh, the rest of the promotion, how things are set up here, it, it, it's we're still in like this just generation shift. We're still in this change. But if you were going to tell me, like leading up into, like, okay, so we sat down on January fifth, twenty twenties, and if I was going and you and you came from back in time, like Mike, here's what's going to happen this year in Dragon Gate. I wouldn't have guessed that Kota Minor and Jason Lee would have been. A long-term uh, Twin Gate champions. I wouldn't have guessed that Kento Kabune would become one of the biggest supernovas in wrestling today. And it's just like it, it's kind of hard to like. It's easier to see trends and kind of like raise your eyebrow, but it is incredibly hard to like predict something 365 days out in Dragon Gate. No, I, I would not have guessed that Kento Kabune would have dominated the discourse as much as he did over this past year. But it really seems like. You know, we've talked about it a little bit that the the Western interest in Drangate greatly increased this year. I, I, you know, we had a real dull period in 2017 and 2018 when Pot came back. There was a little bit of a bump when Kobe World 2019 happened. There was a definite bump, and then it seemed like things went up this year, and it wasn't 
even Shun Skywalker or Kota Minora or Ata that seemed to really g- grab the attention of the Western fan. It was the rookies, and it was in particular SB Kento, which is just an incredible thing to think about when the when the baseline of talent is so high in this company for a rookie to be grabbing the headlines. It, it is something that when I think of 2020, 10 years from now, I will be thinking of Kento Kabune and hopefully that it was the sign of things to come and not a what could have been situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the other side of the coin about predicting things out here. Oh, we could have thought at one point that, well, uh, T-Hawk or Milano Collection AT would have been the people we've built on the, the comp, build the company on their backs, and that wasn't necessarily the case. So it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, which award do you want to give out first? Let's let's go big, okay? I you know I I am a fan of the go big show. I live under the go big or go home mantra. Let's start with the MVP and, and Mike. Let's work our way down the list that you provided to me in pre production. Yeah, so MVP, this is your your Flair Thez Award if you're an Observer voter. Uh, and in this year, I feel like that there were really two candidates, and those were those consisted. We're going to be doing winners and runner-up from our personal ones other than matches of the year we'll do our top 10 in that way but i only thought there was really two candidates here and i feel like it came comes down to naruki doi or ada and i think naruki doi hands down was more of an mvp this year than ada so i thought that naruki doi was my mvp and ada was my runner-up that is very interesting i will concur with you that naruki doi was my MVP as well, which 20 years into his career, I think is an incredible accomplishment. This year completely reframed the way that I think about Naruki Doi. I think this year uh, made me reevaluate him. Obviously, I talk about it on the show all the time. Mike, Alan Forel, and I are are involved in a, a refresh of the Greatest Wrestler Ever project. Doi was not someone I really considered in 2016 when I voted. He is someone that I will be considering heavily for uh, you know the 75 to 100 spot on my ballot when I turn it in in three months. I think this was far and away the best year of his career. He was marvelous. He is the MVP, in my opinion, but our number two differs slightly. I think we're both on the okay. same track of a strong heel, uh, but for me, it is not Ata, who for as hard as I've been on him, I thought Ata had a very good year. He had the match of his life against Naruki Doi at Memorial Gate. He was, you know, a, a very prominent member of a lot of big, great multi-man matches this year. But for me, it is Kaito Ishida, who I thought was just so captivating from January through December, and someone that, you know, around May of this year really started with Mike and I when they did the Empty Arena shows, where we were trying to plot out when can Kaito Ishida dethrone Ata as the leader of the heel unit. Obviously, that has not happened, but it is something that I, I think sooner rather than later, we're going to see an Ishida elevation from ace Bravegate champion to Dreamgate contender. And so for me, Ishida was my number two guy this year. You, you know, Ishida would have been my three just because of the reasons you mentioned. I felt like that he did so much this year to really cement himself and really kind of be at the forefront of the under 25 movement and dragon gate. And it's something where I totally understand that I, 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 he is someone that you look at what he did, especially like starting up, like he was having like sneaky, great brave gate matches against like, um, 
just for example, Ginky Horiguchi on their second to last show before shutdown. And he is someone that I do feel very highly of. I will be talking a lot of code of Kaido Ishida. Ada just was something that like, if I look at this also as a kayfabe award, which I kind of do in a way, the way I treat MVP, he ran through a uh, King of gate. He won the uh, open the dream gate at Memorial gate. He then pretty much with the exception of uh, final gate main evented every single sh- big show in dragon gate for the remainder of the year. And it's something where I, I feel like the two of us, we are relatively, I, I don't want to say pessimistic, but I will say that I feel like that we are realists about Ada and where Ada is kind of position is in the company. And, and is he a guy or is he just a guy? But he definitely made that huge step forward that I felt like kind of edged him out over Kaido Ishida in my mind. Let me ask you this as someone I, I know you didn't follow New Japan closely this year, but I do feel like you have a really good grasp on the wrestling world as a whole. If you had to vote for your Flair Fez Award today in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards, would Doi be in your top three? Oh, Doi uh, would be my wrestler of the year. Uh, uh, he is for me as well. He is my number one when I submit that ballot. So mine would be Naruki Doi, Mayu Iotani, and then Tetsuya Naito. Those are my top three. As I quickly, quickly pull up that Google Doc, uh, I have Doi, Omega, and Moxley as my top three. I, 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 it's something where with AEW stuff, I, as someone who like really has to cover AEW, it's not that it's, it, it's something that it's so difficult for me to put a North American wrestler up there for it this year. Well, like, and that that's entirely it. Like, I think Moxley did the best work of his career. I think. Kenny Omega made people remember that he's Kenny fucking Omega, part of my French. But I just, you, you know, I feel like that those three wrestlers and three of the larger companies in Japan really kind of made the step forward and they had the opportunity to draw. And I feel like that it's something that's really sad that John Moxley had this incredible run, but it was all behind closed doors for the most part. Mike was late to this recording as he was diligently watching AEW Dark tonight, so thank him later with a donation uh, to Red Circle, because this man is paying his dues. I, I, I mean, I, someone has to sit here and watch the pro wrestling podcast known as AEW Dark and chronicle all the insane things that Taz says. It's just I, what I do. I, Mike, I know this is the Dragon Gate show, but you have to give me 90 seconds to talk about how much I love Taz. He is, oh, go right ahead. He is the best thing in wrestling. Le- legitimately, I love this Team Taz gimmick so much. My mom was in the room during Dar- uh, during Dynamite last week, which was the, the Brody Lee tribute show. Interesting show to walk in on. And I was explaining to her, I was like, you know, you know, Taz was an announcer when I was a kid. And they've got this guy, Powerhouse Hobbs, who was cool. And Ricky Starks is like, I know people that know Ricky Starks. He seems like a cool dude. And they've got this kid, Hook. Hook is just like, he's going to be the guy. I'm telling you, he's going to be the guy. And Taz and Excalibur on AEW Dark is the most entertaining thing there is. I just listened back to Taz on the Art of Wrestling, which was taped in like 2016. And Taz was an awesome guest. He comes across like such a good dude on that episode. I love, I love Taz so much. I hope in the future, like the 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 Case Lou, Case Low, Mike Spears Produce Show. I want SB Kento being managed by Taz. I think that is what we're putting our mark money towards. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like sadly, they might be. Uh, 
that might be the, the match that we have on before intermission because we, we've already talked about like it's gonna be like a super shisa match up top like just because <laughs> well, of course super shisa's main eventing the show but like <laughs> kaisuke like could you imagine if taz watched kaisuke akuda i think that would blow his mind if we have anybody in aew that listens to this show can you please show taz kaisuke akuda matches because i think that is exactly what taz is looking for in wrestling I, I I mean, they build assassins with Team Taz, and there's no bigger assassin in Dragon Gate than Kaisuke Akuda. Mike, so. I think I'm going to buy the shirt. I think I want the Team Taz We Build Assassins t-shirt, and I haven't bought a wrestling shirt in like five years. I th- th- There's something that I will reveal that I have bought when it comes in that I'll tell you off air, Case, that you will be very hyped for that should be coming my way real soon. I'm delighted. I that is that is an outstanding tease, Mike, and I think it's time for us to talk about our most outstanding wrestlers. Most outstanding. This is traditionally your more work rate heavy, just wrestler. Um, it's something that it's kind of hard in this promotion to always say this person is out and ahead of everyone else. But case I I give my awards first this time. What who is your most astounding wrestler in Dragon Gate in 2020, and who is your runner up? The names are going to sound awfully familiar. My runner-up this year was Kaito Ishida, and my MVP was Naruki Doi. For most outstanding, too? Yes, yes, I, 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 I apologize. I, I got distracted by the Festival Day Lucha that's happening on my TV right now, but I did mean for most outstanding, it is Kaito Ishida and Naruki Doi as well. So, I have that reversed. Kaito Ishida is my most outstanding, and Naruki Doi is my runner-up. And I feel like that those two really are heads and shoulders above everyone else like i'm looking at my top 10 list as we're recording in case only three of my top 10 matches of the year did not involve those two yeah it it is just a ridiculous year i i you know doi is obviously aided by the kz yokosuka and eta dreamgate defenses which were all phenomenal but the thing that i realized when i was doing voting for the sfm 50 this year which that list should be coming out any day now is after August when Doys dropped that the Dreamgate, he was still in great matches on the undercard, semi-main event, multi-man matches. He didn't really have anything high level after uh, August, with the exception of the unit disbands match, which he was phenomenal in. But yeah, Doy, I I think we we got to see a few different sides of him this year, which I really really liked. I, I'm impressed by the fact that a guy. That one, uh, you know, for me, most outstanding could have the great main events, but is really aided by his work in the middle and on the the beginning of those cards. And then, yeah, Ashida, I think it comes down to the fact that I I love this Ashida versus Akuda feud so much, but I feel like I was lower on their singles matches than most people. My favorite Ashida singles match this year is his match versus Maria. I thought that was a better singles match than any of the Ashida versus Akuta matches, and so I kind of felt like I had to give Doi the edge here as well. So Doi, my MVP, and my most outstanding, and Ashida, my runner-up for MVP and most outstanding. And, and it's something where I totally see your justification there. I'm a little bit higher, and I think that's what puts him up there for me. Uh, it, when I'm like looking over just like at people who pop up my top 10 list, I feel like my number three, my third place probably would be either uh, Susumi Yokosuka or KZ this year. Just like looking at what I have here, and you know, it, the those two have been such stalwarts that like there's a reason why they like 
gave them all these shots and that, that they were such a big factor of the promotion this year because you look at KZ, who is someone that really, in a lot of ways, is hitting his prime and is now getting the focus that a lot of people were really calling for him, like dating back in 2017. But like Sasumi Okoska, first he put the Brave Gate division on his back. Then he went to All Japan and gave them the best stuff that All Japan really was doing, at least for the first half of this year. And then, you know, just super solid stuff. And it's going to be real interesting with these two guys at, at this point being linked to each other going to next year. But I feel like those would be my third placers if, if, we, were to, if we were to go deeper into this. I thought Ben K had a really, really great year. And the thing that he is lacking is a standout singles match. But Ben K probably would have been my third. I, I just liked everything he did this year in the ring, which is incredible considering the fact that I know at one point on the show I was talking about how it felt like Ben K had been so de-emphasized in the booking, but he was a Triangle Gate champion this year, and I have a handful of Ben K matches in my top 10. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be, I, I feel like our top 10s are pretty divergent, so I'm going to be excited when we get into that. Next up, uh, Rookie of the Year. I think we could, if we wanted a time that's an for delay, I think we both have the same rookie of the year and runner up. The strongest class that I think Dragon Gate has had in a long time dating. And, and, and for this, like pretty much, like we, it, everyone completed their rookie year this year, basically. So the only person that I didn't consider in this was uh, La Estrella, just because like it's just too soon for him to be like that. I'll consider him next year. But you look at the class of 2020 one of the most successful ones, one of the ones that's going to be so riveting to watch them throughout their careers to see like how much of this incredible potential that they showed just straight out the gates will carry over. Um, my rookie of the year, SB Kento. Come on, it's SB Kento. And then my runner-up was Hip Hop Kakuda, which kind of like hurts me because how much I love Takedo Kame, but you just like look what happens. If, if you're in a match that I get five stars to and you're, you just become like such, such figures in the promotion within the first 12 months of that year, uh, debut, then you're the ones who are up on top, and that's kind of how it shook out for me. That is fascinating because I have Kame as my runner-up, and I was expecting really? you to have the same. Yeah, I, I think Kame. It just, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I liked him so much. Now, obviously, Kakuta's great, and the whole class is great. Fujikawa is great. He just had his face kicked off, and so he, he's been recovering since September now. But yeah, I, I think Kame. The the thing that I like about him is that he is already assimilating a place for himself on the roster. I, do, I did not use the word, the word assimilating there correctly, but that's okay. He has already carved out his own place on the roster. We kind of know what Kame is, and I think that's super impressive a year into his career. Kakuta, we finally drew the comparison that he's kind of the next power junior they have, but we still don't. I, I don't know what this next year is going to hold for him. I obviously expect yeah. it to be tremendous, but I, I don't know where he falls in the pecking order just yet. So I, I gave it to Kame. I will say if you're voting in the Observer, with all due respect to Kame and Kakuta, they are the Libertarian Party in this instance. They are splitting the vote. They are a third party. Do not vote for them. <laughs> we are we are voting Kento Kabune this year. Look, Anna Jay, nice woman, seems awesome. I like her as a wrestler. She is not the rookie of the year. Do not split the vote and give this to Anna Jay or Pat McAfee. This is Kento Kabune's year. And if you vote and for it, Dominic, you need to re-examine your life. I, I will say the thing that got a lot of people really mad at me on Twitter. I will bully you out of your lunch money if you vote for either Pat McAfee or Dom, or Dom Mysterio. That's just, you can't evaluate them as actual wrestlers in WWE with how they phrase things right now and how productive I they are. I even, like, I... 
I obviously disagree. I get the McAfee voters. I have a fundamental disagreement with them. They are <laughs> they are the John McCain of rookies of the year where look, they seem like a, they seem like a nice guy. I wish them well, but I have fundamental disagreements with things they believe in. And Pat McAfee is no different. No, no, no. I mean, come on. Like everyone who said like SB Kento would have won. Like I'll go I'll go DSA here. SB Kento should have won the would have won the uh, Tokyo Sports War. And, SB, <laughs> and anyone who votes against SB Kento is someone who's dooming wrestling existence. To, uh, I mean, because this is something that's going to live on forever. Like as long as the Observer lives, there will be the Reader Awards here. And okay, so I know the two of us we have kind of gone through this year how the electorate has evolved over the past twelve years. But it's SB Kento. It's like the most surefire thing since Utami Hayashishida. And then. then and I mean, up there, Shingo Takagi in 2004, like it's SB Kento. And if you're, I, I really want someone to try to lay out a argument where you could tell that Pat McAfee is a better wrestler than SB Kento. Cause he's not, he's not, you, you can't evaluate that because of how protected he is and how staged everything is in NXT, especially the matches he's been in. I love that in 2004, Shingo finished ninth in the rookie of the year voting. And then 2005, he won the thing, which is I just thought it was like, 2004. He, he, well, he places in 2004 because he technically is a rookie that year, but for whatever reason, Dave had him eligible for two years. So in 2004, the winner is Petey Williams. He beats out Nakajima, Ken Doan, Chad Toland, and Austin Aries, who ended up winning the Ring of Honor belt at the end of December. So that's impressive. And in 2005, Shingo rightfully wins over Suwama, Christy Hemi, Daniel Pewter, Bobby Lashley in sixth place. I'll throw this one at you, Mike. Choi Hong Man. <laughs> that makes me so happy. You have no idea how much that makes my evening case hearing that. Holy crap. Like, we'll do a spinoff where we're just going to go through Observer Awards. We're going to do our own version of Between the Sheets. It'll be an hour and we're just talking about awards. Look, I love that Dragon Gate alumni Choi Hong Man also finished well in Rookie of the Year that year. That speaks to the class of the Dragon system. That speaks to how well these kids are trained. <laughs> I'm just wrapping my head around this case. This is <laughs> what a wild world we live in. What a wild world we live in. Uh, let's talk about best tag team. Kind of a hard year, I feel like for in like last few years in Dragon Gate, really have been kind of interesting seeing how like it's been so like combinations of wrestlers uh, reliant, and it's something where I think that. It, this was probably the hardest category for me to pull my top two tag teams. Case, who were your best tag team in the runner-up you had? I'm going to insult Kai here, but I'm going to compliment Kai in a minute, so it's going to even out. But I, I could not rightfully vote for Kai and BB Hulk because I, you know, we've talked about that nauseam on the show now. I just don't like the state of the Twin Gate division. And although Yamato, Kai, and BB Hulk are fine wrestlers individually, I don't like seeing combinations of them in the Twin Gate division right now. So my runner-up this year, I went with a team that I think only teamed together three times, but I went with Ben K and Yamato. Okay. Uh, ben K and Yamato, they headlined the first Corkin Hall of the year in an excellent match against BB Hulk and Kazuma Sakamoto. And then on the first show of the year, Kyoto KBS Hall, 
they wrestled Gamma and Masaki Mochizuki in the Twin Gate Tag Team Tournament. This is what started Gamma Wrestler of the Year 2020 on the Mike Spears whiteboard, and I also thought that match was tremendous. So two out of the three matches they worked were above four stars, and that was good enough for me. And then I went with Jason Lee and, and Kota Minora as the winners because I, I thought their Twin Gate run was very fun. I'm glad they got the elevation they did, and they were a damn good tag team. Yeah, uh, Minora and Lee, easily my tag team of the year. Like, just head and shoulders above everyone else. It was so hard to come up with a second one, so I had to like dip in deep for this and my number two tag team, they do hold tag belts case. They are the Kyushu Pro <laughs> Tag Team Champions, Sumi Yokosuka and Ginky Horiguchi. I thought about giving them a vote. I really did. I, I think for as long and strange as this year has been, I think it's easy to forget about how much fun the Twin Gate tournament at the start of the year was because I not only liked Ben K and Yamato coming out of that tournament, but I loved the tag team of KZ and Dragon Daya. And I yeah. thought about giving them a shout out as well because I we talked about it on the show on, on probably the first episode we did this year about like, oh, you know, the Dragon Gate generation pairings really are up in the air right now. We haven't seen where guys are going to fall. I wonder if we get more of this KZ and Daya tag team. And of course, I don't think they teamed after January. I, I don't think they had a two-on-two no. match afterwards, but they were a super fun tag team. But that is a good call on the Horiguchi and Yokosuka team. I mean, I did not watch the uh, the Riku Dragon shows, but the, the the idea of them now having like their own like little mini micro uh, company... I guess affiliation between Kyushu and Ryuku Dragon just really interests me, and I think Susumu and Ginki as like this this I don't I don't even want to call it a feeder company because it's not it's just like a relationship as their tag team champion just greatly amused me whenever they came out with those belts and you know they had a really fun match against Mentai Kid and the the the, the guy that was I, I forget who it was in that match but he was the, just like the the biggest person i've seen in a long time and it just greatly amused me so yeah yeah no i'm i'm alright with that and then that brings us to our most improved this is one that i feel like that there's a lot of things we can leave to interpretation here like what does it mean if someone's most improved does it mean they're getting elevated is it the little things but i think that there's one person who really made that step, and we've talked about him a lot. I My most improved wrestler of 2020 in Dragon Gate, and someone who I think, again, should rank highly in the Observer Awards just from where he started and where he the end of the year is Diamante. And my runner-up, and this is probably more me than Case because I was a down person on this wrestler when they debuted, but they had such a strong year that it was really discouraging to hear about their injury. But my runner-up for most improved was Dragon Daya. Interesting. I if I if I would have done a top three, I would have had Daya in that third spot because we figured out by the end of last year, like, oh, this guy is getting really good. And then, I mean, I, like I've said, I think he's the most exciting wrestler in the world right now. Whenever Dragon Daya is in the ring, I do not know what he's going to do, and I, and I certainly don't want to put the pressure of comparing a small masked wrestler to Rey Mysterio. That's not what I'm doing, but I certainly think you can draw some parallels between a young Dragon Daya and a young Rey Mysterio, but I, I, I felt because he was already so good at the end of last year that I couldn't really give him my vote this year. No, that's fair. That That's entirely fair. So who was your runner-up? 
My, or who was your most improved in runner-up? Yeah, I, so, I, I assume that yours was Diamante, so I already yes. <laughs> was skipping over that. So Diamante was my, my winner this year uh, for most improved. My number two is going to be Kai. And Okay, I, I see that. I see that a lot. The, the thing is, you know, I was obviously very outspoken and very against Kai when he came into the promotion in 2018. It, Like I've said before, it should be noted that Shingo's final singles match in Dragon Gate other than his farewell against BB Hulk, was an eight-minute singles match against Kai where Kai beat him. And I'm still not entirely over that yet. I still am processing the atrocity that that was. But Kai found a place in Dragon Gate this year. And I've talked to people that rave about this guy in the locker room. They love the presence he brings. The Dragon Gate guys seem to like him so much. I mean, before he turned heel, Mike, we were talking about how Kai was the ultimate company guy. He just seems to love his time in Dragon Gate. And on a personal level, it makes me happy because this is a guy who's bounced around from place to place. And it, it kind of seemed like he really wasn't going to figure it out. And I, I never would have guessed that the answer was Dragon Gate, but I'm okay with him being here being here now. I think he's a really good wrestler that is probably in the the lower half of in-ring workers in the company, but what he does, he does well, and I'm happy that he figured it out and found his home in Dragon Gate. Yeah, and it's something where like I've I I've heard the same things that you have that like apparently like an absolute gem of a person. Like, even though he was very bewildered by my infamous chanting for Kai at Hog at WrestleMania week in 2019, (laughs) (laughs) he came out in a Tri Vanguard t-shirt, so he's not acting like we we wouldn't know who he was, you know? Like, I don't feel like I'm off, I don't think that I'm off uh, base saying that, but yeah, like, it's not just that he kind of, like, acclimated to the promotion, I would argue that he really started doing that last year, I mean, I loved that uh champion gate tag team uh twin gate match with him and uh ut i mean i've gone on about that match a lot over the over the last like 20 months but hit him now as like the just absolute just just prick for lack of a better words now in red it owns he rocks and you know what i think that that that's a very valid second place thing i i i totally see that and then they'll bring us to breakout star this is the person that we feel like has made the biggest step up and has for lack of better words broken out in the company this year we've seen this before where kz undoubtedly was a breakout star in the past over the last few years shun skywalker probably in 2019 was probably one of the breakout stars there but case who do you have as your breakout star of 2020 and who is your runner-up so I'm afraid that my breakout star of the year might be cheating, and I want you to tell me if it is because I have a replacement option, but I have listed that my breakout star of the year is SB Kento. You see, I think that's fair. Like, given the year he had, and, and he was on the roster in 2019, like for the he, last he week He debuted of the at the end of 2019. We, I, I feel like... He had such a rapid character transition from where we saw him pre-pandemic as a as a pretty basic young boy into once crowds returned, it was like, oh, wow, this guy's really put it together to obviously the name change and the heel turn and this and that. We've seen 
a character arc with him this year, and it just seems like it would be silly not to include this guy that was, you know, obviously in the opening matches in January and is now headlining shows in December. I feel like we have to count him. No, I, I think you're totally justified in that. I, I mean, I did not go in that route, but I totally understand that. Who is your runner-up? My runner-up, and again, might be cheating, but I went with Shuji Kondo because... I feel like Kondo completely revitalized his career this year. And it's not that Kondo was ever really bad in Wrestle 1. At times, he was actually very good. I mean, I love the match he has against T-Hawk, for example. It, it's funny that Kondo is really the one guy that has kind of navigated the OWE and Dragon Gate politics because, you know, he worked against the Stronghearts guys in Wrestle 1 on a consistent basis, and his interactions with Shima felt super heated and super unique. And then he, you know, came back to Drangate, which good for him. But I feel like his stock was really, really low coming into this year. He was old. He was aging. We had seen, you know, the Wrestle 1 stuff, and then he was working J-Stage a little bit. And before that, it was the All Japan run, where there were the moments, I mean, like the Kenny Omega matches is phenomenal. Like, he was an All Japan eight years, which I, I did not realize it was that long. So I, to say he had time in All Japan would be doing him a disservice. He had eight years in All Japan. But I just feel like he was a guy that had that we had moved on from, that he was of a prior generation of Puro stars. And when he came back to the company in July, he felt fresh. He looked rested. He looked tremendous in the ring. And I think he has been a, a great addition to the roster. So it, it is just nice to see Kondo really figure things out this year, and I hope he's with Dragon Gate for the remainder of his career. Yeah, it's kind of a low-key feel-good story this it year. It really is. And it's something that, I mean, he went from someone that, on camera for, like, whatever, I forget what they call their wrestling school, because it wasn't just for Wrestle One. It Also, I mean, you had people like Hanakamura and, and, and Rekka Sakai, or, or psyche uh go through there as well and one of the people i forget who it was or if they even debuted like brought up like where's your dream you want to end up in and the person said dragon gate and the look that shuchi kondo had on his face like he, you would have told him that like i murdered a pet of his like it was that much disgust <laughs> and it's something about how like everything has changed over the last uh now we could say 18 months and how everything, or not 18 months, what, what am I saying? The last 30 months. And how it's just been like this new era, this new like family co-op era of the company that basically everyone is welcome back. And it's really something that like I do hope he remains in Dragon Gate for many career. I, it's something that you like look at him and you look at like how it is there. And I mean, he's still, he, he's still Shuji F and Kondo in a lot of ways. It's kind of like that the, the the time off and the time away he comes back and you know it's something that whenever like he's been in a match with dragon kid ever since then i know that for a while i always was like is he going to eventually just just king kong lariat this guy's head off and that's gonna be something that i'm always going to be anticipating and looking forward to because he's such an awesome guy uh, i didn't go with either of those i totally think you're justified in your reasoning of those uh my breakout star is dragon dia he was someone that again this is more of like my mindset about him was as someone that like you know okay it's how 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 much i value the idea of oh you're going to be a drag in this company you better like live up to the name of this especially like being the heir to dragon kid like he's 
he was someone that like that's incredible expectations of him and he really started to put that together this year sadly he has a broken collarbone i not even going to try to predict how long he's going to be out with that but in 2020 i felt like he made like such a mark and it was like the step forward that i mean until his injury he was probably going to be the number two or number three of masquerade and that's a huge step forward from and the the person who now is going to be the number two in Masquerade is my runner-up, and that's Kota Menora, who, as soon as they returned to life crowds, they decided, oh, it's time to make Kota Menora a guy. And he had such a hot last half of the year. He had that. He was in the tag team of the year uh, with Jason Lee and just really kind of put together in a way that I always thought that Kota Menora was very good. He was not one of my favorites, but... In 2020, he stepped up in such a large way that now he's kind of figured his way into how I view this under-25 class. I wasn't necessarily thinking about him in that regard before lockdown, and I feel like that's what what gave him the runner-up spot. You know what? Bad job out of me. Menorah should have been mentioned in mine. If If I had a third place vote, it would go to him. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc yeah no and, and, and you know you've probably convinced me that if i had a third place vote then spk should ha- should be third place and breakout star like I, there's nothing here that i feel like that we're going to argue too much about until we get to matches of the year uh feud of the year this is always something that sometimes dragon gate decides to focus all year on dragon kid versus ada sometimes they decide to do some really cool stuff and this year there was a not a lack of storyline stuff and i think i've written about this thing i'm gonna write more about this feud later on uh and i think that uh, Keisuke Akuda and Kaido Ishida was one of the best in-ring feuds that they've had across the calendar year that I think is probably up there, not up there with Ricochet and Pac, which will always be like the crowning achievement of the Brave Gate title to me, but it's up there and my runner-up just because of like how complete of a story that I only kind of realized after we did Final Gate was R.E.D. versus Torimon. I feel like that they really executed that part of the three-way generation war in an exceptional way and it was a very satisfying way of starting the year kind of targeting all of them to really focusing in, and you know Hyo's trick of being able to be the person who forced our uh Torimon to disband is something that I'm going to remember for a long time so who are you uh, who were your top feuds of the year Obviously, Ishida versus Akuto is my number one. Like I've said before, I think it is a comp DVD-worthy feud. If we were still consuming wrestling media in that way, 
Mike and I would have put together the Kaisuke Akuda versus Kaito Ishida 2020 DVD, and you would have so many different chapters on the thing. It was a, a feud that took place the entire year. It's like it's funny you mentioned the in-ring aspect of it because I almost feel like the angles of it, and again, I love the matches they had, but the angles they had were so strong where you had the brawl around the empty arena in March. You had Ashida being ringside for a lot of Akuda's matches and Akuda cheating as a result of Ashida being there and then Akuda unmasking as the yellow mask demon and then swerving on Ashida. That was a tremendous angle. And I, and I I think the angles were just so strong in this feud. Uh, as for my runner-up, I, I stayed away specifically from R.E.D. versus Toriumon, or Toriumon versus Dragon Gate Generation, or w- whatever it is. I, I, I wanted to go a little bit more specific with it. And That's fair. I, I, I'm not totally satisfied with this answer. It was really hard for me finding a runner-up, but I did go with Daya versus Inferno, which we obviously haven't seen the conclusion of, or maybe we have now that Dragon Daya seems to be out for a prolonged period of time. But I just, I enjoyed every chapter of this feud so far. I think the Daya Inferno debut was incredible, and you know it took him a minute to really figure out what he wanted to do in the ring, but once he figured it out, I, I am I'm in love with his in-ring work right now, and I've loved their interactions on recent shows. Yeah, I mean, the only real bummer about that feud is now, I don't know if or how they do a payoff for it in any sort of uh, satisfactory fashion, I would say. Like, it's just going to be tough. It's, it's going to be tough because, uh, you know, collarbones are tricky injuries. UT was out for almost 10 months, but also UT is not the person I use as a guideline on how quickly someone heals for something. So I don't know about that. And I don't know if Inferno is going to exist as the Inferno character while they wait for Dragon Dia to come back just to do the conclusion of that feud. So it's going to be interesting, but but I think you're justified in saying that. I mean, the the only other, like, big shout, maybe... I would do probably would be the way they built up Naruki Doi versus Ada was really interesting between yeah, the Yeah, you know what? I knew I was forgetting something and that's it. I I I it's probably Doi versus Ada in a runner up because that was a a satisfying build with a tremendous payoff. Yeah, 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 just like from the way that they kind of built that across the empty arena stuff into the arenas and then finishing the the feud with like their last uh, with their first big show back. I felt like that that was something that if I was going to go that way, that would have been my runner-up if I was going to go RD versus Toriumon. Um, next up is a new category case that we only kind of developed this year. And this was something that I was originally, when we were going to do this, I have like my notebook, which is different from the Joe Lane's notebook because I color-coded cases seen photos in my notebook. It is insane. Like I do things like color-coded, different things, so I'm able to refer to things quickly. But I was going to do something that I was going to do that I will do next year because I was basically taking everything from my notebook and putting it into a spreadsheet and try to like develop some sort of analytics of like, okay, this is what a baseline wrestler is in Dragon Gate. How much better did someone perform against the baseline? I didn't have the time. I just didn't really have the forefront to do that. But while doing this case, we were talking and I realized there's been a lot of like sneaky great shows this year that weren't your major tentpole shows. So this category is what I call the non-major show of the year. And basically, you're removing the big five. You're removing, basically, your Memorial Gate, your Champion Gate, your Gate of Origin. You're more, I I took out uh, 
the Tory Mon reunion and said all the rest of the Corkins exist here. So basically, we're talking about your monthly Corkins, your Kobe's, your triple shot in Hokkaido, your Osaka Edeon 2s, and we're talking about Hakata and Kyoto. So, Case, what was your non-major show of the year and your runner-up? My non-major show of the year runner-up is going to be the July 12th show from Osaka number two. And I almost feel like I had to justify this with myself because on my spreadsheet, I don't have a single match from that show over four stars unless I'm forgetting something, which I'm pretty diligent about putting stuff in my notebook after it happens, my spreadsheet. So I... I don't think I'm forgetting anything, but this was the show with Don Fuji versus Sora Fujikawa, Diamante and Ishida versus Horiguchi and Ultimo, uh, Doi and Kondo versus Shimizu and Eita. I don't remember that Daya, Kai, Yamato, Dragon Kid, Yoshino, and Yokosuka six-man, but that sounds like a lot of fun. And then the main I event was... three and a half on it. Okay, I went three and yeah, half that, on that, it. that yeah. match sounds good. And then the main event was Lee, Minora, and KZ over Hulk, Sakamoto, and Yoshida, which is where Minora pinned Hulk, and they started the build to the Twin Gate match at Memorial Gate there. I don't remember having anything over four stars in the show, but I remember leaving this show and thinking like, yeah, this show was a lot of fun. This is exactly what I was looking for from an Osaka number two type show. So I I had to include it. I, I just, I remember this show very fondly. And my small show of the year was the November 5th Cork and Hall show, which uh, had Daya Inferno, Eita, Kai, and SB Kento over Dragon Daya, Minora, Keizi, and Yamato in the main event. And it also had Ben K, UT, and Maria versus Dragon Kid, Kagatora, and Kondo in the semi-main. You know, this is why well, I was kind of excited about this. Um, I did not have either of these shows on my list. That Korokin, though, was an absolute banger of a Korokin. And I mean, that I love that six-man tag that main evented that Osaka number two show so my runner-up for this is a Corkin as well it was the the show actually right after the Osaka Edeon 2 show that you talked about it was the 715 Corkin with the main event that I went four and a half stars on with Yamato, Benke, Kai, and and Strong Machine J versus Yoshino, Yoshioka, I'm not Yoshioka sorry, Yokosuka, Kondo, and Dragon Kid and then a Daya and Keisuke Akuda versus Ishida and Hio match that, that I match went was four awesome. stars on. Yeah, that match was yeah. really, really good. Uh, other choice hits on that show, we had a second match, uh, six-man tag, which just is, this is an insane one looking at it. Uh, KZ, Jason Lee, and Kota Minora versus Masaki Mochizuki, Azushi, Kanda, and Gamma. That rocked. We had... Ultimo, Don Fuji, and Kagatora versus Yoshida, Diamante, and Sakamoto. This was the one I think that Diamante did three different hammerick bumps during it. And that just like popped me. And then this is my main event of the show was Naruki Doi and Ryo Saito versus Hulk and Ada. So just yeah, a th- solid that, that would probably be my third place vote because the, the, the main event of that show, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I, I love that main event. And I completely forgot about Dai and Akuda versus Yo and Ishida. That match rocked. Yeah, yeah, sneaky, a sneaky great show, and I think it's probably still up there on, on, in English on the networks with all, with all these corkins, so it's worth checking out. My non-major show of the year case, an absolute relevation for me. I have three four-star matches on this show. Four stars are better. The uh, 
This is the August 15 Kobe Sambo Hall Show. In case you know for how long I've complained about Kobe Sambo Hall Shows. Uh, for a very long time, very publicly. Very publicly. It, it was something that I would watch them, and it would just be a miserable experience for me, just because they were very, very dry. It was all perfunctory fine, but it just kind of existed. But here is what's on this Kobe Sambo Hall Show from August 15th. It opened with Masato Ushino, uh, Ryo Saito, Dragon Kid versus Strong Machine J, Jason Lee, and Keisuke Akuda. That went three and a quarter on. KZ and Gamma versus uh, uh, Kazuma Sakamoto and Diamante. Two and three quarters. It was inconsequential, inconse- but fun. And then the last, three out of the last four matches on the show, I went four stars better. UT versus Misaki Mochizuki, which very much a Mike Spears match. This would be my, my contribution to the Open the Voice Gate produce would be a match like this. And then Yamato and Kai versus Hulk and Yoshida. That was Gentleman's Three. But the semi-main event case and the main event of this show, want to just take a moment to talk about semi-main event, Kento Kabune, Takedo Kame, Madoka Kakuda, and Sora Fuchikawa versus Naruki Doi, uh, Susumi Yokosuka, uh, Suji Kondo, and Don Fuji. Just a tremendous match that was kind of a replay of the... Uh, the 12-1 2016 rookies versus vets match but with suji kondo just being absolutely mean i went four and a quarter on this match and won it and this was the match that they had to go reissue the uh, please don't chant for this one because people love sora fujikawa and the main event benkei dragon daya and kota minora versus ada big r shimizu and kaido ishida just was one of the best dragon die performances of the uh, whole year and a lot of the interplay between uh, Kaido Ishida and Dragon Daya, which is the one feud from this year I wish happened because the, those two guys' chemistry was abs- was absolutely awesome. And I went four and a quarter on that show and that match as well. So my small show of the year was August 15th, Kobe. No complaints there. That was an excellent show. Yeah. And it's just like going back through these things, I was like, oh, wait, there's a lot of awesome things here. But we have a special category, show of the year. This is everything, and it's something that this year I feel like that it, it's a hard year to kind of compare stuff, but I found it very interesting that, at least for me, like my top two shows were ones that were done in the Quiet Crowds era. My show of the year was Final Gate 2020 from Fukuoka on December 20th, and then Danger Skate from Tokyo Oda City Gem on on September 21st. So, Case, what were yours? Did you have the same? I have a feeling that this might be one where we line up. Yep, same order, same everything. I'm I'm in complete agreement with you there. Yeah, just like it, it's something that like these big shows that they had during the era of Quiet Crowds, they were able to put together some real remarkable stuff there. I don't even know what I'm like thinking back. Like Kobe World was such like a nice show, but it didn't rate to me as much as these two. Like just looking at like the big shows this year, I felt like these two kind of were heads and shoulders above everything else. Maybe uh, Gate of Destiny, but I feel like Gate of Destiny still, you had that main event that was really an angle to bring back Shun Skywalker. Yeah, the other options here would have been Memorial Gate, and then we counted the Torimon reunion as a major show as well. And the Torimon reunion, I guess Champion Gate as well. And those Champion Gate shows were good, but but not as good as Final Gate or Dangerous Gate. And that's the thing. Like I, When I felt on my Observer ballot this year, I, pretty much everything I had was post-COVID, or I guess, you know, we're in the midst of COVID, but post-lockdown, because, you know, we really had two months of Japanese wrestling and two and a half months of American wrestling before things shut down, and while 
I had no interest in watching empty arena wrestling outside of AEW and Dragon Gate. You know, I'm okay with the clap crowds for what they are. They're obviously a deterrent to some extent, but I I, I don't mind them. When I was going back and rewatching some Noah and some All Japan for SFM 50 this year, I, I knew I couldn't dive into an empty arena All Japan show, but, you know, for, all, you know, an All Japan clap crowd Corkin show, not the worst thing in the world. So I, I've i just gotten used to the, the reality that we're living in, which is are these clap crowd shows are the best things that I saw this year. And for me, it was Final Gate and Dangerous Gate in that order. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. And in case, I say this one for last because I feel like that this is going to be a, the part that we're going to have a lot of talk about. Matches of the year. How do you want to handle this? Should we go from our bottom up on our on each list and just alternate? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, I went first last time, so you can go first here. What is your 10th match of the year? My number 10 match of the year. And this is a year that, like I said, a loaded year in terms of quality, but not necessarily a year with a ton of top end stuff. And I just went straight down on my spreadsheet and found what I thought were the 10 best matches. I did not really do a, uh, not to say a gimmick match as my number 10, but typically during the Voice of Wrestling poll, my 10th match will be a, a vanity pick of sorts. This time I just went straight down, and my number 10 match is going to be from the November 5th Corkin, and it is going to be the semi-main event on that show at four and a quarter stars, Dragon Kid, Kagatora, and Shuji Kondo versus Ben K, UT, and Yosuke Santa Maria. And that match was like such a fun lead up because the chemistry that UT and Shuji Kondo had. So yeah, I totally see that one. My number 10 match, this is kind of, it features the two best tag teams of the year in my mind. This was from that, uh, Dangerous Gate from Tokyo Oda City Gymnasium on September 21st. It is the Twin Gate match where Kota Minoru and Jason Lee face off against Susumi Yokosuka and Dragon Kid. Oh, wait, no. That that does not have one my runner up there because Kiki Horikuchi is not part of that match. That's on me. My bad. That's okay. That was that was a great match. W- would you like me to move on to my number nine now? Yeah, oh, uh, I give that one four and a half stars. Yeah, go ahead. That's yeah. See, I, I've got I've got two here at four and a quarter, and my number nine is from what I thought was the runner-up show of the year, the Open the Brave Gate match that opened the show with Kaito Ishida versus Yosuke Santa Maria. I, I thought the Ishida defense versus Horiguchi was great, but watching this show live and watching it obviously unspoiled, I was totally sucked in by the Maria near falls in this match. I thought the the, the match structure was brilliant. And I went four and a quarter here, Ashita versus Yosuke Santa Maria. Yeah, I, I, I totally see that that being that high for you. I was three and three quarters on it. It just was the R.E.D. sleeves kind of got to me in that one, especially starting off the show. But I think you're totally justified in that. My number nine match is a part of the uh, Open the Twin Gate tournament they had opening the starting the year. And these two teams should take you back, Case. You talked about uh, KZ and Dragon Daya. Jason Lee and Yosuke Samaria versus Masato Yoshino and Susumi Yokosuka from January 12th in Osaka, Edeon number two. I went four and a half on this one. And I think I this might be my vanity pick of the year just because how much I absolutely loved how the crowd was buying into Yosuke Samaria in this match. God, that match feels like it took place about five years ago. Yeah, the, <laughs> I, I remember this. I, I remember liking it, but at the time thinking it was a little too long. And I think... 
Alan Forrell was a big proponent of this match, and I know you were, and I ended up coming across as the low person on that. But yeah, that is that is an excellent match. Yeah, I just adored it. And, you know, it's just one of those things that it was long, but also in this tournament that had some stinkers in it, it was, I was glad to have this one. We move to the November, I'm sorry, to the four and a half star portion of my list with the November 5th Cork and Hall show yet again. This time it is the main event of Daya Inferno, Eita, Kai, and SB Kento versus Dragon Daya, Coach Minora, KZ, and Yamato. I think this is the perfect encapsulation of modern Dragon Gate. Yeah, just everyone was working. This is where Inferno kind of clicked with me on this show. Like, this was the thing, like, this thing that took me a little while, but I feel like that they really kind of worked it real well and started really getting over the SB shooter as a concept in that. My number eight match was the special singles match from Tokyo Oda City Gymnasium. It was Mr. Oda City, Naruki Doi, having a rematch with the man he beat earlier this year, KZ. I went four and a half stars here. Just was exactly what I love about these KZ just special singles matches that he, that he has had. And, you know, it's something that Naruki Doi always brings in something special to Oda City Gymnasium here. And it's not going to be the first time I talk about the, the, about these two guys in a match here, but I feel like that this one was noted, was a step back from their Dreamgate match they had in February. Number seven for me, and I'm going back to another show that I already talked about. My number 10 and my number eight were from November 5th. My number nine and my number seven are from September 21st. My number seven match of the year at four and a half stars. It is BB Hulk versus Eita versus Kai versus Masato Yoshino versus Yamato versus, did I forget somebody here? Hulk, Eita. Thank yeah. you. Yes, I did not have Shimizu in my notes. Hulk, Eita, Kai, Yoshino, Yamato, and Shimizu in the six-way steel cage match. It's always hard for me to rank these steel cage matches. But I, I, I totally see, like, I think I'm the low person on this one. I went four flat on it. But I think that the emotion in the post-match stuff really kind of added to it. It's just hard for me to grade the uh, cage risk matches for me. But I, I, think I, totally... I made the decision this year, and I talked about it on the podcast. I am mm-hmm. I am ready to rate these matches with a star rating. I need to retroactively go back and rate especially 2011 and 2016, which I think have been the high points. But I think I've seen enough of these now to know how to contextualize them and in my mind, rate them like a normal wrestling match. And it's something where, like, going back through the cage matches, just, like, how they've changed and how they evolved, I'd almost want to start from, like, the first one and then watch them through the present, you know, just to see how they've changed and evolved. Because I feel like if I just, like, cherry-picked in a way, I would be like, wow, they've, this feels relatively tame in relationship to the others. So I think that'll be interesting to see what your, I guess, retrospective ratings on those matches will be. Uh, if you want to watch the first cage match, it is on the Dragon Gate Network in the Toriumon section. That is from Absolutamente 2001. That's, that's right. Absolute, Absolutamente 2001. You're right. I completely forgot about that one. Uh, my match seven is my is for the Open the Brave Gate. This is Keisuke Akuda versus Kaido Ishida 4 from Kobe World Kenan Hall on November 15th. I it, It's something where I know that for someone like Rich Krejci, the, these matches like reached out and grabbed him. I really enjoyed them, uh, but I enjoy them more as kind of like the overall story. I went four and a half stars on this. I still think like the idea of Keisuke Akuda definitively winning the feud and moving on was kind of remarkable. But you, you know, I, I didn't hold it as high as I did the one they had just two weeks before that. Yeah, I think that is a, a fair assessment there. 
my number six match of the year, and we turn to the Hopeful Gate show on July 15th, the main event with Ben K, Yamato, Strong Machine J, and Kai against Dragon Kid, Masao Yoshino, Shuji Kondo, and Susumi Yokosuka. This was the moment in Kondo's return where I knew we were in for something special. He went all out in this match, and this was... You know, the first Corkin since February, fans were at this one, and it was kind of the first uh, bit of normalcy we had had in Dragon Gate up to that point, and it was just a it was a comforting match in a way, and a, an excellent display of pro wrestling at that. So I've talked about this Corkin in my small shows, but this was my number eleventh match. This was my last cut. I I have no I have no qualms with that given your list so far. Yeah, yeah, this is where I think we're going to start diverging a little bit. My number six match was for the Open the Dreamgate title at Wakayama for the Memorial Gate show from August 2nd. Naruki Doi versus Ada. Case, I know you are much higher on this match than I am, but I felt like this was very exceptional. I felt like this was like Naruki Doi did what he did with the Dreamgate title, prepare it for Ada to cement Ada's big year. But four and a half stars, and I love the finish of this. It's just something that this match now in retrospect, like Ada going clean and that being it, and then the remainder of his Dreamgate run being kind of sleazy, being typical Rudo, kind of feels weird in retrospect to me. And I feel like that might be something why I have this match a little bit lower than you do. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I will talk about it a little bit later on because I do think it is one of the best matches of this year. But I, I do want to talk about my number five here as we continue with what I thought were four-and-a-half-star matches. The January 15th Cork and Hall Show main event, Ben K and Yamato versus BB Hulk and Cosmo Sakamoto. Uh, this match was unreal. I thought this match was so incredibly stiff and hard-hitting for a Dragon Gate match, and I was really, really into the double-ace pairing of Ben K and Yamato, and I kind of hope it's not the last we see of that tag team. Case, this is the first time where we line up exactly. This is my number five match as well. It just this is rocked. this is an excellent match that just it happened in January. I think the Toriumon reunion show stole its spotlight a little bit, and also it happened in January of 2020. So nobody remembers it anyways. But this was a really great match. There was a double Ragnarok during this match that I completely lost my shit during. Like it just was very brutal. Uh, I liked Hulk and Kazuma Sakamoto as a tag team. It kind of played out the string. I like Kazuma Sakamoto a lot and like the role he has here. It just was, he was really great in this. Like, like this was mostly kind of like a two on one match with Hulk coming in at moments, but Kazuma was like the excellent heel foil here. Yeah, I completely agree. That is a, that is a really great match that I, I kind of wish for as good as it was and for as hot as that crowd was, I I think the community would remember it more fondly if it happened in like August or September of this year. But alas, mm-hmm. we unfortunately had a packed Cork and Hall red hot crowd. Uh, that is the world we're now living in. My number four for this year, Champion Gate in Osaka. This was the final match before lockdown. Naruki Doi versus Susumi Yokosuka at four and a half stars. And, you know, to, to add on to Susumi Yokosuka's case, he has a career of seemingly under the radar four and a half star and four and three quarter star <laughs> matches. And this is just another one of those. Yeah. Uh, case we lined up again. This is my number four match. It just is something where it was kind of like a sleepy title defense going into it. But Susumi Yokosuka, it, it's something that like, I was so disappointed that the, uh, that the uh, visa situation didn't work out last year, which that feels like a lifetime ago. Talking about the visa situation in WrestleMania, because it was going to be it would be the first time me getting to see Suma Yokosuka live, 
and it's something that like he pulls out these matches that you kind of go into it's like oh it'll be Susumu it'll be good and then he has a four and a half star match of Naruki Doi and it just was a remarkable match it was one of those things that like for a while this match other than a Dreamgate match we were talking about earlier like my top three were pretty cemented until how things really turned on towards the end of the year and I was like looking at the world where this could have been my number two match of the year and it was the last match they had before lockdown three matches left I know your top two I don't know your number three but I know for me and this was a four and three quarter star match it's one that you mentioned already Memorial Gate and Wakayama Doi versus Eita yeah no uh I I understand everyone who was a lot higher on this than I was so I think that's justified up uh, my number three match is the for the open the brave gate from Edeon Arena Osaka from November 5th this was the third match in their series Kaido Ishida versus uh Keisuke Akuda just was exactly what I wanted I went four and a half on this everything after this is better than four and a half stars I'm really tough on dragon gate except i case i always write like a big thing of like i don't give a five star match very quick very easily in dragon gate and then i had to add in a note saying lol well this happened but this was exceptional i love this series of matches this was exactly what i wanted out of this feud and you know really became it's something where like i feel like there's a lot bigger things in store for both of these guys but if we look back at this match and be like hey they had like this incredible series of matches, including like this great crowning achievement match for Keisuke Akuda. That's totally fine. And I thought like, that this was pretty remarkable. My number two match of the year, and I expect Mike to have the same in the same position. February 7th, Cork and Hall, your main event, open the Dreamgate match. Naruki Doi defends the title against Mr. February KZ. Uh, this is an insane match where Doi targets the neck of KZ and ends up hitting a muscular bomb in Cork and Hall. And I, look, I mean, this match, you could have told me it happened five years ago. It just seems like it happened in a different universe now. But oh my God, what an amazing match. The crowd exploding for the muscular bomb. Like, terrified. Because before uh, he hit it against Benkei at Final Gate 2019, this it was teased, but it was sealed. But the way that it happened and how brutal it was. And then just like the tease of like the super impact into the Super Doi's fives. Naruki Doi does a curb stomp in like the first five minutes of the match. And it's the ugliest curb stomp I've seen in my life, guys. It's remarkable. Almost four and three quarters as well. It is my number two match. It's just is something that it's remarkable. And I think this is the thing where like I totally understand now going through these things. Why Naruki Doi was your most outstanding wrestler. Just because he was a guy who... Other than like Team Boku stuff, which it is what it is, he just didn't miss, and it's remarkable this year. Like looking back at it, it's like kind of want to make a best of Doi in twenty twenty comp DVD. Now that I'm th- thinking about it, well, and even in Team Boku, he is the work rate guy there. So if you get them in a position where they find themselves working hard, it's going to be off the back of Doi, and certainly not Saito. You know, Doi is kind of the the muscle in that group and the guy that continues to push them forward. So it was really an incredible year for him. So so Doi is in my matches four, three, two, and one as Doi 
is in the match, the unit disbands match, Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi, Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doi, and Susumi Yokosuka versus Eita, Hyo, Ishida, Hip Hop Kakuta, and SB Kento from December 20th at Final Gate. This was a five-star match for me. It is my first Dragon Gate five-star match since 2015, and if you'd like to hear my full list of Dragon System five-star matches, we talked about that on the Final Gate review show that you can find in your podcast feed. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about this match really in depth recently and something that i didn't really think of until right now Hio has a five-star match in my in the way i look at dragon gate uh pro wrestling and my favorite wrestler of all time akira tozawa doesn't that's kind of wild to think about now like the the idea and it will be lost to history and it's important that you and i remind people of this constantly but this match came about because Hiyo won a battle royal and said this is the match I want and that aspect of this feud needs to be preserved for future generations it's Hiyo's trick it's awesome he did the Joker's trick it, it, and it's something that like the the unit losing unit must disband match like there's been some exceptional ones since we we both have the same last five star matches like Gate of Destiny 2015 Shingo Takaki versus Masaki Mochizuki match but there's been so many strong ones there's been some that have just kind of been feeling a little like it was like yeah no we're playing out the string here of over generation we all know what's going to happen here it'll be a good match but it can't be transcendent this match was transcendent this match was incredibly special I know the English version is not up yet on the network as soon as it goes up I'm going to rewatch this entire show and I'm especially pay attention to this match it is remarkable and you know it's going to be one of those things that i'm going to remember for hopefully for the rest of the time i'm watching pro wrestling dragon kid basically having his mask torn to shreds trying to fight off everyone and then finally having to submit to the sb shooter just incredible stuff guys just one like, of the, one of the is... best matches i've ever seen i mean really one of the best matches i've ever seen and when i woke yeah, up on yeah. christmas morning to find out that dave gave this four and a half stars my feelings were hurt I mean, we're it, so it, close, it, Mike. We're so close to Dave giving Dragon Gate a five star match. He basically has, but he really hasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he really hasn't, but he kind of has. And this could have been the thing. And, I, and if it turns out to be that SP Kendo does not win the fucking Wrestling Observer Rookie of the Year award because Pat Mack, if he was more well known, and it could have been that SP Kendo could have been awarded a five star matches and the people that listen to Dave would have taken notice of that i'm gonna be furious case i'm gonna be just beside myself yeah i mean look he's not winning rookie of the year and we know that and it sucks because he is really just i mean he's so deserving of it and and if sp kento didn't exist i would say kamei and kakuta are more deserving of it than anyone else in wrestling I mean, Sora Fujikawa maybe is up there. Well, Sora that's Fujik- you know, I had to remind Dave that Sora Fujikawa was eligible because he had, if you look at the way it's listed in the Observer when he lists out the eligible rookies of the year, it's Kento, it's Kamei, and it's Kakuta, and then there's like a, a list of names, and then it's Sora Fujikawa, and I, I know when people tweeted at him, I, I saw the a lot of people mentioned the, the three Dragon Gate guys, but a lot of people left Fujikawa off of that list, uh, which was... Uh, disappointing but Fujikawa you know showed as much promise as anybody but like I said earlier he took a kick to the face and it broke his face I I mean I only hope for his sake that you know it's gonna be a cool scar 
you know <laughs> like i mean he is the dream of the class and i guess that's kind of a way like we had one last topic we were going to talk about and that is something that uh jay tweeted about uh, and it's kind of like the dragon gate injury list and like the unit landscape leading into this weekend's shows so we do know officially the people who are on the injured list og shiba still has knee issues haven't heard a single thing about him Sora fujikawa might be coming back soon like it was it was something that like i i know he's back training so who knows if he's back yet strong machine j is out for repairs i think he needs to do a complete overhaul of that and then we've talked a little bit about uh dragon diet and then rookie doi is having a surgery this week or coming up soon i don't know if he's actually had it but he's having a surgery to basically i did some research into it okay so i know i told you about this but just for the listeners he basically the nerve that activates your funny bone in your elbow is pinched essentially and what it is it's this outpatient procedure because he's someone who's had like how long has Nuruki Doi have had a, has had elbow problems? I feel like it's been forever, right? Yeah, I feel like that's something we've kind of uh, tangentially known about for a while. Yeah, so like this is an outpatient surgery that basically alleviates the pressure, and there's like one way where they like completely like kill the nerve there, so you won't have that. But it basically stops his uh, elbow, like the funny bone nerve. I'm not a doctor by the way just want to say this <laughs> not a doctor but it basically deadens that and it seems like it's a lot more minor i said on the account that if he's out into uh champion gate i would be surprised everyone else dia don't really know uh strong machine J. I mean we've talked about his shoulder before fujikawa hopefully he's back soon and ojishiba just disappears when he gets injured i don't know if you've heard anything particular about those five who are on the shelf right now no, I have not heard anything about OG Shiba. Uh, his brother, on the other hand, I have heard some wild rumors about that. I will, I will not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to break kayfabe on those. It's not Drangate related. Um, but the crazy thing is, I, I can at least speak on Doi for just a second. You know, I'm assuming he'll at least miss the month of January which would put him in a position the only times that he has missed time in his career is in 2006 after he took uh, a, I believe it was a power bomb from Roderick Strong that did a lot of damage to him. And he missed four months there. And then he missed December, 2014 and January, 2015 with an injury that I know they used in storyline, but I can't remember what the injury was. So Doi missed two months there. But, you know, I, it's five guys on the shelf, but I think they're kind of fluky injuries because Doi wrestled for 20 years and with the exception of Roderick Strong injuring him, had really missed no time before. Yeah, yeah. And if you ever wonder why there is the Roderick Strong list, that's why. It, it's a shame because I have recently been watching a ton of Roderick Strong footage. I'm sure in the near future, Alan Forrell and I will be podcasting about uh, Roderick Strong, and I have a lot of very strong, poor choice of words, I have a lot of very <laughs> um, uh, passionate opinions about how good Roddy's career has been, but we did not get to see a lot of him in Drangate as he really badly hurt Naruki Doi. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's going to be interesting because we are in the midst now we can officially say this case it's unit it's unit shuffle time and that's kind of like the last thing i wanted to touch on before we got out of here case so there are going to be open um auditions for natural vibes i think we've talked before about how we don't this doesn't necessarily pass the smell test for us but 
there's a lot of shakeups I think that are going to be happening before we get to where Nuriki Doi is going back. Yeah, so just to give everybody an idea of what the unit situation is right now, according to Drangate, and they list Natural Vibes as being an active unit, but you have, and I will list off these names of guys that are currently without a unit. It is Ultimo Dragon, Yamato, Ben K, Kaisuke Yakuda, Masaru Yoshino, Dragon Kid, Shuji Kondo, Strong Machine J, Yosuke Santa Maria, UT, Yasushi Kanda, Masaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, Gamma Kagatora, Yuki Yoshioka, Takedo Kamei, Sora Fujikawa, Mondai Ryu. Uh, I'll be nice and throw Kanichiro Arai, Super Shisa, and Kanichiro, uh, and Stalker Jikawa in that mix as well, and then OG Shiba. So you're looking at essentially half the roster without a unit. So I don't know when things will settle down, but we are certainly in for an eventful next month or so. Yeah, and a lot of the older guys, like Don Fuji and Misaki Mochizuki, I would take them off the field unless there's a team veteran, but I don't think there'll be a team veteran because they just did Torimon. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the person that I'm going to be looking at with baited interest is going to be Masato Yoshino. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what he does for the next eight months. Yeah, because they've planted, yeah, the seeds of, they've planted the scenes of him teaming with Takedo Kamei, which I think would be awesome, and I would like to see a unit built around those two guys. Yeah, and then, like, you have the ace, Yamato. You have Dragon Kid, kind of the... Uh, he's not the ace, but he's very much, like, the touchstone of it. Benkei, Okuda, who I think those two are kind of tied together, unless there's going to be some surprise turn. UT will be real interesting. Kamei, Kagatora. I mean, it's going to be a lot of interesting thing, and I don't think... And I I think we will probably be seeing some people being moved out of R.E.D. And we've talked before about natural vibes. Just does not pass my smell test. But who do you expect? Like, I know Ada is the big name. Who comes with Ada outside of natural, uh, outside of R.E.D.? Well, it can't be Kikuta. It can't be Espikento. I don't think it's going to be Hio. I don't think it's going to be Hulk. I don't think it's going to be Kai. It would be shocking if it was Sakamoto. Mm-hmm. Diamante needs to be a heel. He needs to wrestle Ultimo. I, I'm afraid we're looking at a near future face turns for Eita and Takashi Yoshida. Which means that the Triangle Gates would probably be vacated or there'll be a loss before that. Yeah, but you look at it, those are the two remaining pillars of... Verzerk and Antios, and I think if we're gonna really dive into this youth movement, the two remaining pillars of those units are gonna be the ones to go. Yeah, and then we could talk about other future heel turns as we come up to it. Uh, we do not have the cards of for coming up for this weekend, but just so everyone knows, this is gonna be the lineup. We'll figure out how we're gonna record this soon. Kicks off on the 9th at Kyoto KBS Hall for Oh, I think they're calling this Open the New Year Gate. They are. And then the next day, there'll be an Edeon Arena Osaka 2. And then if it happens, uh, things are kind of shaky. I haven't heard anything necessarily say that this order is coming in, but it seems like Tokyo might be locking down soon, which will be an issue because they have a back-to-back doubleheader in Cork and on the 12th and the 13th. They return to the friendly confines of Kobe Sambal Hall on the 17th. And then they have the Necross Fukuoka doubleheader on the 31st. Those are all going to be streamed live on the Dragon Gate Network. There should be live English commentary, apparently, for the Cork and Hall shows if they happen. Haven't heard anything. It just does not necessarily look so hot in, at this time. 
Yeah, no, it certainly looks bleak. You follow just the culture and the COVID stuff a little bit closer than I do. So I will I will turn yeah. to you and you're saying you don't know enough at this point to it, it doesn't seem good, but we don't know anything for sure. Yeah, so they've requested a state of emergency and these things have rollouts. Like it takes a couple of days because when they did the first one, it took like about three or four days. And that's why the state emergency was kind of already called when Champion Gate was happening last year. And it hasn't been called. Uh, the one thing that I've told people to kind of keep an eye on, and one of these things now looks really shaky, is there's supposed to be a sumo tournament starting up in the middle of January in Tokyo. And usually a lot of places kind of will follow that. And then we're still a couple months away, but as this is going to be a situation that we're going to be living with, uh, keep an eye on Japanese baseball, the uh, Nippon Professional Baseball League, because they a lot of companies kind of take their thing. It'll be interesting to say, I will say if nothing really comes before the 10th, I, I would expect those shows would happen. I'm just not someone that can definitively say at this time that I think those shows will happen or won't happen. Just to be clear, I don't know anything. I'm using my therapy words. I believe that those shows are in doubt. Yeah, it certainly doesn't look good, but if Wrestle Kingdom can happen, then I would certainly hope that the two Cork and Hall shows can happen. And it's unfortunate that we are beginning our 2021 discussion with a topic that plagued us uh, another poor choice of words in 2020. But that's the reality we're living in. And uh, take your vaccine. I just read an article about Henry, uh, Hank Aaron taking his, and it made me kind of emotional. And uh, it's just, you know, it, the, the, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it is a very long tunnel. I know that my grandmother, who's almost 90, got her first shot last week. So that made me very happy. My mom so take got hers this week. She got her first one this week, which is awesome. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Everyone go get your shots. Come on. Like, it shouldn't be a political issue. Just go get your shot. And go get your but flu shot if you haven't also. Yeah. Do people actually get their flu shot this late? <laughs> you know what? A point I had not considered. Maybe don't get your flu shot. <laughs> I, I mean, if you haven't gotten your flu shot, you probably should see if you still get a flu shot. But you should probably everyone go get your flu shots like in October or November. Come on, guys. Like, just just be reasonable about this thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, the one thing I'll say, even because I don't want to leave this on such a bummer note, if there's one promotion that I fully have complete confidence in that they will navigate the waters of a very uncertain 2021, it is Dragon Gate. As they've shown in 2020, they're the company that I have the fullest confidence on pulling off things last year, and I think they're going to pull them off again this year. So. Whatever curveballs are coming their way, they're going to square up and either take the pitch or knock it out of the park. We were really down on Dragon Gate in 2017 and 2018 and pretty much the first half of 2019. And it was really nice to have this promotion back firing on all cylinders this year. You know, I think it was a great promotion or a great year for the promotion anyways, but especially with the given circumstances, it was as good as you could possibly hope for. And I hope for the same in 2021 absolutely absolutely and we'll be here every week as far as i know doing it talking about it it's been such a it's it, it's something that's difficult to say like given the circumstances but being able to go two shows a week and doing the projects and we have a lot of stuff in the pipeline as well with case and i over the next year and longer that it's exciting time and it's been a great 2020 talking with you i'm looking forward to this 2021 as well 
Yeah, Mike, let's wrap it up. We got another podcast to do tonight. We are busy, busy people. <laughs> We're busy people. That's it. Uh, you can follow Case on Twitter at underscore in your case. You can follow me at Fujiheya. You can follow the podcast at Open Voice Gate. That's going to do it for us this week on Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week talking about the first shows of 2021. Take care, everyone. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.